If you were here last Sunday, um, then you would have heard Chris uh, telling, telling us how much Joy loves Christmas movies and uh, how excited she gets about Christmas movies. Well, I, I love Christmas uh, as well. I can, I can leave the Christmas movies maybe, but, uh, but I love kind of a whole bunch of the other stuff that goes on around Christmas. I love, uh, I love seeing other people get their presents. I, I actually love the decorations and the lights. Uh, I, love, um, I love the family time that we get. And most of all, I love the mince pies. Mince pies are for life, not just for Christmas. <laughs> so I went through a phase when I was in my 20s of kind of thinking, oh, you know, Christmas, blah. it's all kind of commercialized, it's, it's horrible, it's, like it's taken on this, this thing. And then actually, once we had our children and I started seeing the excitement and the joy and the love that they have for Christmas, it kind of rekindled my, my love for Christmas as well. And as Dara read to us, love is right at the center of the Christmas story. But it's completely different to the love that I have for mince pies or the love that Joy has for Christmas movies. And Chris started to uh, help us to think about this last week as he started to um, go into John 3.16. And the verses that we're going to read about this morning, that we're going to read from this morning in 1 John, expand on that and help us to think about what the love that is at the heart of the Christmas story is all about. Uh, Leon Morris, who was a, a Bible commentator, a Bible scholar, said that God's love for his people, this love that we read about in 1 John 4 verses 7 to 12, is at the heart not just of Christmas, but at the heart of the whole of the Bible, the heart of Scripture, underpins all of Scripture. And Leon Morris said that actually without God's love for his people, the Bible would be non-existent. It wouldn't be there because there would be nothing for us to have to read. There'd be nothing to write about and put into the Bible. And so we're going to read 1 John 4 verses 7 to 12. Think about what uh, it says to us and think about what this love, this real love at the heart of the Christmas story has to say to us. Again, I'm not sure if you, uh, if you noticed, but you can't really have missed it whereas, as Dara was reading those verses that John talks about love quite a lot in those verses. I did a quick count. I'm not, I'm not brilliant at maths, okay? So I may have got this wrong, but I think John mentions love or beloved 15 times in those few verses that we read. So clearly, that's what he's talking about here, okay? He's trying to get something across, and it's about, it's about love. So before we go into the verses. I'm actually going to read them again because they're so, so few and we'll get them fresh into our minds. But let's just spend some time praying, helping, uh, asking God to help us to understand what he's got to say to us through these verses. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we've got the Bible here. We thank you for your love that underpins uh, all of the Bible, your love for your people. And Father, I just pray that as we as we open up your word this morning, that we would, we would get a sense of your love, whether it's a new sense 
for a first time that we would understand your love for us. Or whether it's uh, so many times that we've heard about your love for us that we'd find something new to understand about your love for us. Or whether, Lord, you challenge us to love each other in a new way uh, through um, the words that John wrote and you inspired him to write in these verses. And so as we come to, uh, as we come to look at these, Lord, I just pray that you'd help me to um, talk about them clearly, that you give me the words to say, to uh, encourage uh, each other, to challenge me and to challenge each other this morning, that we would understand something new of you. We would, uh, we would grow deeper in our love for you and grow deeper in our love for each other as we understand more of your love for us. Amen. So let's read uh, verses 7 to 12 of 1 John chapter 4 again, so they're fresh in our minds as we come to look at them. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Beloved, John starts, beloved. So who are these people that uh, John is writing to? Who are the beloved? And I just want to think about that for a moment, just so we have some context for uh, the words that we're, that we're reading here. So John is writing this, this letter, and he's writing it to um, other Christians. But from his letter, we can see that they've experienced um, a bunch of people leaving their number. So if you think of a church, they've kind of experienced a whole bunch of people going away from their church, um, from what looked like their faith in Jesus. So in chapter 2, verse 19, John writes about, those who were with them, but did not belong with them. So it might be that they've kind of experienced love for these people who now suddenly have left and departed from their group. Yet into this, John writes about God being love. And if you, if you read through this, sometimes you, you, like we, we've read this so many times that sometimes we really miss the emphasis that John is placing here. We sometimes miss the kind of the punch that he has in verse 8, where he says, God is love. It's an astonishing statement for us to read. But as we kind of think about what that means, that God is love, and think about what it means for us today, we have to first of all make sure we understand what John isn't saying there as well. So John doesn't simply say God loves, right? That God like kind of chooses that he might love 
me, or that he might love Lulu, or that he might love the trees that he's created. John isn't saying simply that God loves, nor is he saying that God is like love. He's not using this uh, idea of love as an, as an analogy for what God is. And then sometimes we might read this and we might say, okay, well, if God is love, then that means that he's nothing else. But that's not what John is saying either. John doesn't just limit God to being love here. In fact, that would actually go against what John has written elsewhere in this letter. Um, back in chapter one of this letter, he writes that God is light. Later on, he'll write that God is life. And so God being love for John is just one of the characteristics of what God is. But it's not exclusive. It's not that God is only love either. So what does it mean if God is love? What does this, this statement right in the middle here say? Well, for God to be love is that he is constantly giving of himself to the benefit of others. If you read John's gospel, you'll see that like, this, is, this idea of God being love goes back even before Genesis 1 and verse 1. Goes right back before the beginning of the Bible, before the beginning of our concept of time. Because there is this idea of eternal love between God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. And Jesus himself prays uh, as he's praying that he wants his disciples to see the glory that God has given uh, to him. He says, I want them to see my glory that you have given me. Why? Because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. So the glory that God has given to Jesus, he's given him this glory because he's loved him before the foundation of the world, this eternal love between the Trinity. So this is a characteristic of God that just goes on for all eternity, for all time. We see God's love for his creation as well, don't we? If you remember back to the summer as we were thinking through Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, and then as Dara was talking about before, about God wanting us to have joy, God lovingly gives in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 this amazing creation for Adam and Eve to live in, where there is everything there for them, all the fruit, all the, all the trees and the plants that they can use for food, his very presence that they can live in. And so he loves them through giving of himself to them in that very creation in Eden. And we see here in verse 10, that God's love isn't something that we kind of, we can kind of go out and earn, that we go out and look for and go, yep, I'll have some of that. It comes before we loved him. It comes first, God's love for us. Verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved 
us. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. Now, I don't know about you, but when, when I became a Christian, I didn't kind of wake up one morning and go, yep, today's the day I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go and seek out God and I'm going to love him. I didn't, you know, it didn't start from that kind of, and I guess a lot of you will have that experience of you learn something about God, you met other people who knew God, you were taught something about him. And God used those people, used those opportunities to show his love for you. And then eventually you learned, like I did, to love God. Some people will maybe have woken up one morning and gone, yeah, today is the day I'm going to love God. But I believe that John saying here, if you have that experience, that's because God loved you and created a miracle in you that you wanted to love God. This isn't some kind of meeting halfway, some kind of reciprocal love that God gives us because we've done something for him, that we've earned his love, that we've gained his love because we've been nice to him or we've given him a present or something. This is God reaching out because he is love, giving of himself. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son so that we might live through him. So that we might live through him. God is love, which allows us the statement that God is love and this action that we see that God is love allows us to have hope, allows us to have experience God's mercy and his grace so that we might live. You know, we've, we've heard already uh, in the Two Ways to Live presentation that we've turned our backs on God. We've said no to him. We've told him to shove off. But God loves so that we might experience the mercy, the grace, and hope that we might live. Now, you might say, that's great, thanks, Adam, for telling me about God's love, but isn't this just some abstract concept that you're telling me about, some, some thing where we don't have any practical reason, practical thing to see that God has shown his love, that God is love, that God loves John shows us that God puts his love into practice. That it's a practical, manifest love with evidence to back it up. And what is that evidence? In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Was made evident among us. Was shown among us. That God sent his only son into the world. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. Christmas begins the ultimate expression of love. The ultimate expression of love as God gives Jesus into the world. The idea 
in the Greek is that you kind of read this and you read it and it says, his son he sent, God has sent. You're supposed to really pick up on this, which we lose a little bit in, in the English translations. But the, the force of it is this, his son he has sent, God has sent. So that we see that God is giving in his love, practically, evidently, his one and only son, Jesus. See again in verse nine, God sent his only son into the world. And so we're also meant to see some of the cost that this love, this giving love of God has, has behind it. Some of the cost that it is for God to love us. His only son, his one son, greatly loved, precious to him. We can think, can't we, of, uh, Isaac, of um, Abraham and Isaac. We haven't got that far in the Genesis story uh, as we've been going through it yet, but I'm sure you know the story as God asks Abraham to sacrifice his only son, his greatly loved son, and takes him to, to sacrifice him to God. Of course, God provides a substitute in that case. But we're supposed to think of that, supposed to think of that imagery and see then how much more it costs God to love us, to send Jesus into the world where there is no other option. There is no substitute. In fact, Jesus is our substitute. Because John says in verse nine, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world. So what? So that we might live. So that we might live. Which means that without God loving, without giving, what are we? We're dead. We're dead. Dead in our sin. Dead in our telling God to shove off. Because it's in Jesus coming into the world through God's love that we can find life. The only place we can find life. John has already told us in this letter that God is light. And so that our sin, our rejection of God, deserves punishment, deserves God's anger, deserves God's wrath. Yet in Jesus coming into the world, and the story going from Christmas to Easter, and Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus stands in our place and bears that wrath for us. In verse 10, John uses the word propitiation. And we can, we can think of that as Jesus standing in our place and paying the price of our rejection of God, of our sin on the cross. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You've heard the two ways to live this morning, the presentation this morning. 
if you haven't accepted this gift of God's love this morning, I would urge you to think about it. I'd urge you to think about what you heard. Take one of these and read through it. Come and talk to me or to Dara or to Jason after the service. But we need to accept this love. It's a gift, and we'd accept a gift at Christmas, wouldn't we? But this is more than just a gift. Imagine, imagine being out in Galway Bay right now in the freezing cold water because you've fallen in off a boat or a paddleboard or from the side of the, the water. You'd need rescue, wouldn't you? You'd need somebody to throw you a life belt to help you out. God's love, this Christmas gift, is the ultimate rescue. It's better than that life belt because it goes for all eternity. But we need to hold on to it, to grasp it, to take it, to accept God's love and to love him back. And then John says that this love, for those of us who do accept, accept this gift, accept this rescue, then we need to do something with it. And what does he say in verse 11? Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love each other. We ought to love each other. So there is a response to this love. To demonstrate God's love for us by loving each other. And that's not just about kind of, you know, maybe at Christmas, finding somebody who you really like in the church and going, I'm going to get them a present this Christmas. It goes far beyond that. It goes far beyond that. It characterizes what it is for a church to be a church, a group of Christians to be a group of Christians together. If we go back to verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So if we don't love each other, if we don't respond by loving each other, where's the change? Are we really alive? Demonstrating love, loving each other, completes John's picture in this letter of living with God. He talks about faithfully confessing that God is the Father. Faithfully confessing that Jesus is his Son. Faithfully confessing that we have rejected God, that we are sinful people. He talks about an ethical integrity that is born of love. So far that we would lay down our lives for each other. And here he talks about loving each other in the spiritual love of the Christian community. Giving generously to those in real need acting in ways that show our love for each other, demonstrating the truth of God's love for each other. 
as a mark that God's Spirit dwells in us, lives in us, not just individually, but together. So that we show each other a love that is like Jesus' love for us, like God's love for us, a serving love, a giving love. And we can't do that in our own power. That's, that's not in our sinful human nature. We can only achieve that through God's indwelling presence in us. And just like God's love is shown, is manifest in his sending of his son into the world, our love for each other, we can't just have it as an abstract concept. We need it to be manifest in action. So I'd ask you this morning, how can you practically show your love for each other? How can you show that generosity to each other? How can you show that hospit hospit hospitality to each other? Be hospitable to each other this morning. Maybe the most difficult part, actually, is that it means that we have to be willing for that love to be shown to us as well. We have to be open with each other about our needs as well so that people can meet them practically. So what are our real needs? And we need to be able to share them with each other as well. We're called to love the people in this community, this Christian community around us. We're called to love people who we wouldn't normally meet except they're children of our Heavenly Father. We're called to love people we wouldn't normally even like except they're children of our Heavenly Father. And because they are children of our Heavenly Father, we're called to love. And we're called to love each other. And John talks about this as a, a grateful, obedient implementation of what it means to accept God's love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. This love demonstrates God and God's love for us here and to people who will come in from outside our community and, and meet our Christian community in the church. God's love is perfected, made complete in us as we show it for each other. And as Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another as I have loved you. So there's two challenges this morning. One, if you haven't accepted this love of God, please think about it. Please do think about it. And again, read, read this and have a, have a chat with us. And if you have, if you're, if you're part of this community, this church, how is it you're going to show your love to the other parts, the other members of this church? And how are you going to show your willingness to be loved as well? Be open to receive the love 
of God and of each other. This morning, this Christmas, in the weeks, months, years ahead, as we grow together as a church of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your love. And we thank you that it isn't just something we, we read about and go, yeah, God loves us. That's, a, that's a, a concept that we can read of. But thank you, especially as we, as we consider Christmas, we thank you that your love is evident, is manifest, is practical. And sending Jesus into the world is the, is the evidence of that. Father, we just pray that in the busyness of this week, we would remember why it's busy, why we're preparing family times and other things for next Sunday. Lord, that we'd look to you and we'd think of your love. We think of Jesus coming into the world. And we thank you that through Jesus coming into the world, we can live. Father, I just pray that if, if there's anybody here this morning who, who hasn't accepted that love, accepted that gift of Jesus, that you'd open their hearts to that this morning. And Father, I just pray that we would grow in love for each other. We'd grow in, in love, not just in giving love, but also in receiving, in being open to be loved by each other. We'd grow in sharing we grow in caring. And Father, I just pray that you'd pour, pour your spirit into our lives so that it just overflows, our, our lives overflow with love. That we would see your love for each of us in how we love each other. And that those outside the church would also see your love for us in how we love each other. And it would, by how we love each other, it would be a, a mark, Lord, of your presence here with us that would grow your kingdom to your glory, Lord.